welcome to another American Scouser podcast, uh, another one of our Spotlight podcasts. And today we have Ken Kendra with us from the Raleigh Sporter Club, and he is the president of the Sporter Club. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks for having Thanks me. For having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. Uh, as I like look at your guys' group and read more and more, sounds like you guys are uh, one of those like substantial groups that are like actually has been established for quite a few years. We do a lot of these podcasts with fairly new groups, and you guys have been around for a while. But uh, as always, let's start with you first, I guess. Uh, if you want to kind of like tell us how long you've been a Liverpool fan, how you came about being a Liverpool fan. Sure. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> been a, uh, a soccer player all my life, uh, playing through the uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, um, through the through college and whatnot. But, uh, you know, back then, you know, the not, not a whole lot uh, for a young American kid to uh, to root for in terms of uh, soccer. They didn't really have much um, out there. But um, going into high school, I kind of picked up on uh, music with Pink Floyd was one of my favorite bands. And it's kind of interesting that I was I was really drawn to their music. And I came across a song um, called Fearless, which is off of uh, an old album from the 70s. And at the end of the song, it really resonates. At the, you can, as the song fades out, it kind of fades into the cops singing You'll Never Walk Alone to to the players on the pitch. And you, you can clearly tell it's about a football match. And in my mind, I could visualize, you know, uh, the scene. And I always said, man, man I would, that's what I want to play in front of. I want to play in front of that crowd. And so that had always been a dream of mine to say, like, if I'm, you know, if I was ever to become a professional footballer, that would be where I would want to be. And obviously it didn't take much to figure out that that was that was Liverpool fans singing to serenading their 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 players. So I kind of just kind of globbed onto that. And then as the content became available, you know, with you know, with television became more accessible, I just naturally just said, I'm going to be a Liverpool fan. Um, and it's all you know comes down to Pink Floyd, which is kind of bizarre to say that. But uh, <laughs> but. But yeah, so that's my story. And then, you know, I, I was living in New Jersey in uh, in the turn of the turn of the century, and they came to Giant Stadium in 2004 to uh, to play a preseason match. And uh, I was dating my wife uh, uh, at the time, and I told her, I said, hey, I'm going up to Giant Stadium. You know, I'm going to go watch a, a soccer match. She's like, what? What are you talking about? And I said, this, this team, this team, Liverpool. <laughs> So I bought one ticket for myself and I just drove up. I mean, lived like, you know, less than an hour away. And she's like, okay, well, whatever. So, uh, but that was, that turned out to be Michael Owen's last game uh, wearing uh, wearing Liverpool, but uh, before he went on to Real Madrid. But in any event, that's uh, kind of my story. and just kind of picked it up from there and uh, just continue, as, like I said, as it became more accessible with uh, television and internet and everything else, it just, it was easier for us to consume um, and just was a natural fit for me and fell in love with the, with the club and everything that it stands for. That's awesome. And then, so, I mean, obviously then you moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. Is that a different atmosphere in terms of, you know, like the fandom, in terms of like the Liverpool Reds fans? Or, um, I mean, were you too new of a fan when you were in New Jersey to even connect with other Reds fans? No, you know what? When I was living up in New Jersey, I didn't really try to connect with a whole lot of other fans. Um, I really was unaware of the culture. Social media hadn't really taken off as much back then. I mean, I can still remember in uh, in 2005 when uh, the Istanbul match. Um, I was actually out running errands, and I uh, I, I didn't tell my wife, um, but I said, oh, "I'm going to swing off by the local Irish pub and see if they had the match on." And and you know, you walk in there, and it was it had a decent crowd, but there wasn't like an official club or maybe a handful of scousers there watching the match. 
And, and I all nearly left at halftime because I was like, well, I got other crap to do, you know, I, and I got to get home and whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Jeez. And I said, I said, well, let me just stick around. And I was just, let me just watch a little bit. And then obviously, you know, saw the first couple goals go in. I was like, all right, I'm staying, you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the, the culture was, was, you know, it, it was more casual. There wasn't like an organized structure behind it. I was totally unaware. Um, I, I now know that the New York City had a had a uh, an active supporters club for for a while at that point, but you know I didn't re- kind of reach out to that, and there was kind of a void in the, the New, Jer- New Jersey market there. But um, but uh, you know moving down to to North Carolina in 2007, um, you know obviously still had a, a a love for Liverpool and and the actual club of the the Raleigh group. There were there were. Raleigh Reds that were watching Liverpool um, well long before we kind of formally established our our organizational structure, um, but they were kind of just meeting together in in bars, uh, you know, four or five at a time. And um, it wasn't until 2012 when uh, my brother, who happens to live in New England, is also a big Liverpool fan. Uh, me and him decided we were going up to Boston for uh, Fenway when when they're playing AS Roma. And that was on a Wednesday. And we ended up going to the pub. Back then it was uh, Antua Nua, I guess, which was kind of a, a, a satellite pub for the, the Boston group. And uh, we, we were just kind of, we got there early enough and we just kind of were sitting around on the booth and a couple of guys kind of sat next to us and they, and we started talking to them and just getting to know these guys. And, and they said, oh, you're from Raleigh. You know, we got a couple friends from Raleigh. They're going to be with us in about an hour. So they came to it was Darren Bridger and, and Colin Russell and those two guys are are uh, Darren actually just said hey you know I just opened up a pub the London Bridge pub uh, with my business partner and uh, y'all could I come to watch the matches at at, uh, at my pub and of course Colin was like you know yeah we'll we'll start a Facebook page let's let's get a group together you know and I said sure I'll, I'll come down to the next match you know during the season I'll, I'll make my way down there so it kind of all started just by happening to meet meet those guys luckily just in the same general vicinity of a pub that we just from the same hometown um and there there had already been pockets of liverpool fans in raleigh but uh once we got the social media you know connection started with facebook and everything else and um you know word started getting out and people started coming to london bridge pub and we established ourselves pretty strongly at that point I mean, it sounds like actually you guys kind of like, in a way, eliminated the toughest parts of finding a location by that. Because when I, as I talk to other like sporter clubs, it sounds like one of the biggest um, like hurdles is finding a bar to open up for games and stuff like that. It looks like you guys had that out of the way early. Yeah, and um, Raleigh is a smaller town than most uh, most of the bigger cities. Obviously, um, you know and the marketplace and whatnot but uh, there there had been a void of of uh of football pubs per se um and 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 darren and his partner mike ruiz they they saw an opportunity and they when they opened up their pub they just went into business for themselves and said let's 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 do this they saw the opportunity to kind of make it into a football pub and um we happened to be obviously all liverpool fans so it was easy for us the hard part for us wasn't necessarily getting started and finding the pub, which is always it's hugely important to have that that connection and to have that that um, that liaison, if you will. Um, but uh, the hard part for us now is that um, is is they running a, they're running a business, right? And so they're our friends and they're our our partners from that regard. But 
they're running a business and we're just running a club and we cannot tell them what to do, but they are running their business to, to grow and they're turning it into, you know, one of the top soccer pubs in, in the state, if not the best. But that also means they welcomed in the Arsenal club that have, we're looking for a home so that there's other supporters clubs that want to come and they say, well, we should go to the London Bridge pub because it's got a great environment. It's got great staff. They know it, they get it. You know, some of the other pubs that have other clubs in, in the Raleigh area have had their home pubs and they said it's kind of sucks and that when the game's over, everyone goes home and then college football goes on. You know, where at London Bridge pub, it's pretty much everyone's hanging out and, and talking about the matches and, and, and two o'clock, you know, he comes by, comes around and, you know, there's maybe a, a Spanish game on. So they'll put the, the Liga match on or whatever the case may be. So they're doing a really good job of, of making a name for themselves. So that's that's the challenge we're, we're faced with is trying to say, hey, guys, you know, don't forget, we were here with you guys at the beginning. Right. So, you know, um, we, we had a situation, not a situation, not the right way to say, it, but we had a we had a, a an event last year where we were running our annual holiday party and we just scheduled it. We just pick a date in December for the best, best, most convenient time for that fits our schedule so we we picked it for the everton match which was a great match to, to do it for for us the downside was that the early kickoff that day was tottenham versus arsenal and of course now we're at the same pub with all with the arsenal sports club and they're already packing the pub with their for their match and so we're here we are trying to pack you know get our supporters in and we're like, you know, next thing you know, it's just a, it's just a massive amount of people. And uh, it was it was an interesting challenge that we learned from. So now, of course, we do a little bit better research before we schedule our holiday party, make sure that <laughs> we're not we're not making that same mistake. But uh, but yeah, so we, we did get that out of the way early. Um, they've been fantastic partners. Um, anyone that comes to the Raleigh area, you know, if you're going to watch any soccer match, you got to go down to London Bridge Pub because it's really, truly the only place to, to, to watch it. That, yeah, that's very unique, actually, because I think most of the, like I said, the sport clubs, the challenge is, yeah, they're like a, they're in a football town or they're like in a, even worse, a college football town uh, where, yeah, once it's like noon and stuff, it's college football time and it's like a huge conflict between maybe like somebody regular who comes to the pub bar who wants to watch college football like, compared to like to the Reds fans. So you guys are still sharing the same location with Arsenal? We we do, but um, but they they they've been able to expand their footprint to the to the bar next door, uh, take out a wall, and so now they have technically two bars, but with a little wall that connects the two. Um, so we relegate the Arsenal fans to the second side that doesn't have as many TVs and doesn't have the atmosphere <laughs> that we have. So um, it, it 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 typically is not an issue because we're actually very good friends with a lot of the Arsenal Gooners. Um, they're the, the the one thing that that. We all kind of kind of invite is just a, a welcoming environment. I mean, we'll we'll have Chelsea fans come. A couple of them. We'll have a couple of uh, you know Man United fans there. And, and as long as you know everyone keeps it you know keeps it calm and collected, it's it, it, we have got a really good camaraderie. So, but yeah, the Arsenal fans are, are great, and they were they were our second biggest fans for the Champions League final. I mean, they didn't want to see Spurs win it, so um, they had <laughs> they had their whole club there you know cheering us on. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, I think especially in the States, there is like a automatic, you know, camaraderie between fans of the sport because it's not as popular. So when you have somebody else who's into soccer, automatically there's a bond there, regardless of which team, because uh, you're still the minority, <laughs> like trying yeah. to get the sport being popular. So I'm sure it helps. And like you're saying, as long as, you know, people can keep it all in control, I'm sure there's like isolated incidents here and there, but that's going to happen. If you're even gonna get a fun, you know, 
a pub full yeah. of Reds fans, there's always going to be somebody. And typically, we've we've seen it's um, you know it, it's usually you know, you know knock on wood here, but it's usually alcohol induced. It's usually someone's had a little bit too much, someone's had a bad day, you know, and and someone says the you know one thing that takes out of context. But um, you know, for the most part, we we don't have any situations where guys are intentionally just coming in and and just you know trying to to raise hell. But uh, it, it is it's 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 very friendly, and like you said, because at the end of the day. You know, we're all football fans and, you know, and we can all kind of agree that that uh, it, it, we're in the minority in the country. And it, it's a growing sport, but, you know, at least you have a place to go watch it. And, and at the London Bridge Pub, they have, you know, dozens of TVs, so they're always going to have matches on. And that's one of the best days is when the last game of the, the season, when all 10 matches are going on simultaneously, You'll, you can go there and find all 10 matches on somewhere. So. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's just a good environment and, and they do a good job of policing it. If, if, if there are guys that are tough troublemakers, like I said, we're a small town, you know, right away that certain guys are, you know, not invited back, so to speak. So <laughs> you're like, he's here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's very unique. Actually, you guys are pretty lucky in that sense uh, to have almost like a sports specific bar. Cause like I say, in most cases, I think it's being shared with like other sports and you know, most bars kind of almost use it as like an additional revenue to be able to open in the morning and get business when they normally would not. So that's very unique. And actually, yeah, you guys are pretty lucky with that, to be honest. Um, yep. So what made you decide to make it official and say, hey, you know what, it's time or what, you know, I guess what <laughs> went into the decision making process? So so that's actually a kind of an interesting story. It was uh it was uh, fall of 2013, and um, uh, full disclosure, I, I actually happened to live in a different county, about 45 minutes drive to downtown Raleigh. Um, but I would drive down for the matches because some of these guys became my best friends, and I just loved the environment um, of going down there. So I just remember going down there one time, and people kept talking about, when I say people, the guys that I met, the Colin Russells and Sean Dotsowers, I got to give a shout out to him. He's, you know... Um, uh, another one of the original members. They were all sitting there saying, you know, God, we looked online and, you know, the requirements say we need to have 15 of this and 50 of that. And we need to do this. We need to become, we should go for an official. And I was like, well, why do we want to become official? What's, what's, what's the big deal? And I said, for us, it was more collectively decided. We just want the world to recognize Raleigh as a Liverpool town, that we had something special there with the pub and the environment. And, as we grew and we were getting 50, 60, 70 people in 2013 before, even before we made the, the big run with Brendan Rogers that we, we were building something and I think they wanted to be recognized. And so the funny part about the whole thing was um, the one next week I came in and I said, guys, I, I did a little research. I looked and so we need to do this. We need to come up with a charter. We need to come up with uh, a website. We need to do this. We need to do all these little things. These are little check boxes that have to happen. So, and then who's going to do it? And everyone just kind of looked at each other and just like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have time to do it. I got this. I got a, I was like, all right, fine. I'll tell you what, I'll get started. I'll, I'll create the website. I'll do this. I'll, you know, I started, so I, I just took the reins and just said, I'll go ahead and do this, but I need the help of, we need to establish like a little committee. Cause I'm not going to be able to come to every match. Cause I live further away from the pub than anyone and, and by a long shot. So. Um, so anyway, so we, we were able to establish the, uh, the organizational structure and we had to tinker with it for a little while. And 
do we make it work? Um, but it, it, it really takes a team of individuals to delegate, to get all the work done. Um, and no one person should be doing everything and no one person should have the control. So I, I always tell everyone that, you know, I might be the president, but I'm only the president because no one else wanted to do it when we started. <laughs> and then I made the connections with the club, with the liaison and get all the, and do all the, the administrative work, get all that stuff done and manage the website. And I just, you guys do everything else, you know, do all the social media. We get, we throw that onto Colin. He can do all the social media he wants. You know, we run the treasury. Sean can do that. You know, Publiaison, on Darren, you go ahead and do that, that kind of stuff. So it's just a matter of making sure everyone's got a little bit of a job to do um, and just communicate with each other. So, which we do a really good job of. What is the biggest challenge, like as you're going through, especially on the side that I guess you kind of focused on in terms of like, I guess the administrative side of things, like what is the biggest challenge? Well, that's a really good question. Um, the, the biggest challenge I would say is just basically communication. Um, and so when you start off small, all right, you want to get the word out to everyone, right? You don't care who hears about it. You want people to know about Liverpool. You want people to know about the events you were having, right? We're gonna have a holiday party. Come on, all are invited. You know, maybe like I said, the casual guy to come in from, you know, from out of town, the casual person doesn't know a whole lot about it. And we do, we do have supporters that have joined our club because of this. They just say, hey, you guys are, this is kind of cool. You know, I, I, this is, this is awesome, you know, and uh, maybe I'll join and maybe I'll, you know, that kind of thing and become a Liverpool fan. So, but you want everyone to know about all that. You don't want, um, you, you don't want to be selective, but as you grow, right. And, and as we get members, we have probably, uh, you know, between 150 to 200 paid members now. And which is mind boggling to me when I think about how we started, not, not even that long ago, but uh, over 150 people have chosen to give us dues for the year to become a paid member of LFC Raleigh. So, how do we get the word out so that if we're going to have a special event that only the paid members get first dibs on buying tickets or doing whatever? And, and a great example of that was Champions League final, right? So we have a restriction. The pub can only have so many people there. You got only can have 400 people capacity before the fire marshal is going to shut you down, which nobody wants. So how do we manage that? Well, at that point in time, you know, you can't just blast it out on social media. Hey, everyone, VIP tickets are going on sale, you know, because then any schmuck can go up there and buy them. And so you kind of want to, that's the hardest part is figuring out how can you communicate, not only just how, what your club is doing for the community, what your club is doing for Liverpool and in the Raleigh market, but also how you can communicate to your paid members that are kind of there for being part of the club and being associated with, with, uh, with all the people that are, members of the club um so that's a challenge really because the, the the more numbers you get the harder it is to manage that um and then of course there's always someone like oh i i didn't find i didn't get the email or i didn't hear about this so i always feel guilty about that you know it's like well did you did you did you see the facebook post did you see the tweet did you to see the you know that kind of stuff and that kind of thing so so being in a city like Raleigh, obviously, you know, a smaller city compared to something like the other like major metro cities, does that almost make it easier in a sense? Because if it's a more compact community where, you know, the word spreads faster or does it make it harder because obviously the audience is smaller? 
Ah, uh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I, I haven't really thought about if it's easier or hard because of the size. We we used to think that it was more difficult, more of a challenge because we don't have uh, the pool to tap into. But at the same time, you know, the Raleigh Durham area um, has Chapel Hill, the Triangle. They call it is uh, is very well known as being a ho- soccer hotbed, and so there's all uh, tons of kids playing the sport, and they're all you know, watching it on TV, playing it on FIFA and all that other good stuff. And so, so there's a ton of opportunity for, for new fans to pick up on the sport. So while it's a smaller market per se, I think there's a a higher percentage of potential football fans out of it. So, um, but you know, the the thing that we always try to pride ourselves on at our club, which is, is, is something I recommend to any other uh, aspiring OLSC out there or any other existing OLSC out there is the one thing that, you know, the, that we always kind of default to is, you know, trying to be as inclusive as possible. We want to make sure that, you know, yes, we have a pub, we have a home pub. We always go to watch the matches at, yes, we have an annual due structure. You pay the money, which I, right now is whatever, $25, um, $20, whatever it is, you get a scarf. And, but it also comes with, the other events we go on throughout the year, which we can talk about, you know, another time if you want. But, but we can't stop you from coming to the London Bridge Pub to watch a Liverpool game, right? That's not our business. So you're more than welcome to come to the pub. We just hope that you like what we do and like what we offer. That you're just okay with paying us the twenty-five dollars or twenty dollars and 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 coming to the match next week, because we're trying to create an environment where people want not only do they want to come to watch the match. But they want to stay after the match and they want to kind of connect with the other folks and and talk about tell different stories and 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 so on and so forth. So so I do because Raleigh is a smaller market that we do have a little bit more of that family mentality, so to speak. Um, but uh, again, it's I, I it's hard to hard to say if it's easier or difficult uh, because of the size of our market. But uh, we've done pretty good. So I, I guess I guess I say it can't be that hard. <laughs> so what kind of like activities do you guys do aside from obviously you have like you know like the game days and like the atmosphere in the pub but do you guys do any like charity work anything along those lines uh yeah actually we uh, very very active we do have a uh we do have a, a community outreach person on our uh, on our organizational committee um that does stuff like that for the uh, the food banks and and whatnot we always raise money every year for the christmas uh the holiday season um, for the Jamie Carragher's 23 Foundation, uh, they're always very generous uh, with giving us some donations on signed jerseys and stuff like that. And we're proud to say that every year we we can we've every year since we've been doing we've written a check for them for over a thousand dollars every year um, to give back to to their foundation, which is uh, we're very proud of that fact. But but uh, just last week for the uh, Chelsea match, uh, one of our members um, and a good friend of mine that also happens to live nearby for me, but. Uh, Steve Kwasny, he had uh, uh, he was diagnosed early with prostate cancer uh, a couple of years ago. Got it treated, got it fixed, and he's on a personal quest to educate and to raise funding and, and awareness um, for prostate cancer. So he uh, teams up with Pines for Prostates every year, and uh, well, I should say every year. This is the second year we've done it with at the Chelsea match. And uh, we we give them a, we give them a, a venue to put his table down. They 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 uh, they're an organization. I guess it's national, and they and they uh, they raise money for for that and awareness. And um, I want to say we probably 
do a matching donation. So if all the members that go to the pub that day, every for every beer that's being bought, you know, a percentage goes to, to the charity, um, stuff like that. And um, then we do raffles and we give that stuff away. And um, I think we ended up, I think we're giving about, I think we raised close to fifteen hundred dollars uh, for the organization this year, and then of course we match a we match what well, we don't match it we 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 give uh, I think we're doing a donation of about two hundred dollars you know for from our organization, but but what we we kind of do it in conjunction with one of the things that we've instituted a couple of years ago, which we call uh, match of the month, which is something that every month uh, myself, Sean, and Colin will get together. We'll look at the schedule when the TV fixtures are updated, and we say what month do we want to do this, and we'll we'll do a raffle. Or we'll do uh, something, and we'll pick one match, and we'll say, we're going to raffle off this signed Bruce Gravelar book, or we're going to raffle off this. It doesn't cost anything to enter. You just got to be a paid member. And so you bring your membership card to the match, you get a raffle ticket, and we'll give it away. So we just try to encourage people to come. But um, for September, our match of the month is Pines for Prostates, so we, your first beer was on the club. So when, you know, if you're a paid member, we would got you a uh, uh, we got you a Carlsberg. Your first Carlsberg was on us, I should say. So stuff like that. Um, so we're pretty active uh, in, in doing that. And, and more, we're more than happy to uh, facilitate any type of charitable cause. If someone comes to us and says, hey, can can you guys help us with this? Or can we do something like that? You know, just we're more than happy to kind of discuss and, and try to schedule something, try to get it to work out. And I know you personally have a lot of experience in terms of like going to like several different like Liverpool pubs and before that sounds bad let me correct that but I mean you've written a book uh <laughs> based on your experiences of going to different like Liverpool rest clubs that's your first book and I know your second one is coming out right now uh well let's talk about the first one first in terms of uh how writing that book probably helped you at least get ideas in terms of like creating an atmosphere that people are going to want to come over and over again. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, um, it was, uh, the first book, thank you for, for, for asking was, uh, walking through the storm is what I called it. Um, uh, what it's titled, uh, it is available on Amazon. Uh, but, uh, essentially what, uh, the intent of the book was, uh, for me to go around to visit as many different pubs, in North America that, that I could uh, economically and feasibly do um, and uh, going to the focusing on the Liverpool supporters clubs and getting to meet the folks. And the one of the things that I loved about writing the book was uh, probably half of the pubs I visited. I didn't know anyone before I went there. I just I've picked a location or I, I, I worked it into my schedule somehow and said, I'm going to go to an Austin, Texas. We already we talked about Stephen earlier. I didn't know Stephen. I didn't know any of the guys down in Austin. I just said, I know Austin's a cool town. I've always wanted to go there. They also have a club down in San Antonio. That's a short drive. I can I can do a, a Wednesday, Saturday kind of thing. So that's how that's how I kind of uh, scheduled it. So I would just go down there and just let them know in advance. Hey, I'm, I'm coming down. I'm, I'm writing this book. Um, I want to document the experience, blah, 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 blah. And, and I would just show up to the pub and just start talking to people. And everyone was just, you know, their stories are so incredible that there's, like I said, there's thousands of different stories that people have as to why they picked Liverpool to be their, their club. And to me, that was fascinating. But just as fascinating was finding out about why, how these clubs came to be, why they picked this particular pub, how this pub you know, met, found the club, how did they work together? Um, and I guess part of it was also a learning lesson for myself, 
to how can we how can I take what I've learned from the group in LA or the group in Austin, the group in Miami and figure out like, okay, these are the, these are what they do. I like this. How can I bring that to Raleigh and make our club that much better? But, uh, but the, 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 the book itself was a lot of fun to write. Um, it was a good, it was a good challenge. And um, basically, basically it's, it's set on the 2015 and 16 season where we start off at the beginning of the year. And then just kind of, just kind of, follow a diary throughout the entire season right up until when Brennan Rodgers is fired and then Klopp comes in and then throughout the rest of the year to the Europa League final and uh, all throughout the this year just going to various different bars and just different pubs and meeting new friends and um, I, I think every every in every city I went to every pub I went to I've got friends that I've seen more than once whether it be in their hometown again or it be running into them at Fenway Park for the preseason or whatever um it's just it's part of the family the part of being part of the liverpool family which i love um one, one other thing one other plug about that book which is what uh, i liked um doing was kind of what you're doing with your website with the map and trying to get the different pubs around the country i was doing the same thing i i, I put a glossary at the back with all the different states and um one of the running themes which i've learned which is very difficult is very important for people to understand this is that not every state has the same drinking laws on Sundays you know you you, you can't necessarily drink at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning at a particular state um, so you learn these things and so I kind of looked up the different state laws in terms of that but also in each state what pubs do I know that are Liverpool friendly or have Liverpool supporters clubs or unofficial or official so you can kind of look and say you know I'm, gonna, I'm doing this trip to Idaho was well, there anything in Idaho you know, that I can go to you know try to make it like a little handy guide for that so um kind of what you're trying to do with the with the map on the website yeah because i think i mean we were talking like before we started recording the podcast it's i almost feel like a lot of fans don't even know the locations in their city than like the city they live in uh leave alone when they're visiting another city like where to be able to go and like enjoy a game with other reds fans while they're you know out of town on vacation for business or whatever so is definitely like a valuable resource i think i mean and that's probably the most commonly asked question any facebook group like i was in that was always like the most asked question like i'm going to be in austin where should i go i'm going to be here where should i go and stuff like that and sometimes you know sometimes people jump in and answer but sometimes those go unanswered and i think that's why like the map keeps in, uh is like a good resource for that so i assume based on like the number of locations you visited was the biggest challenge uh, kind of like narrowing down the stories to pick to write about. <laughs> the biggest challenge was saying no. Um, was it was <laughs> was telling people, "I'm sorry, I don't have the money to go out to San Diego and visit your pub." Or you know, as, as much as I would love to do it, um, unfortunately, I have a job, and my primary source of revenue is is not by writing books. Um, as much as I would love it to be that way, but uh, but yeah, the biggest challenge was was trying to just kind of uh, say no and just say, "All right, I I can't I can't." go out of town this particular weekend or I or you know um and trying to focus on going to the uh the places that made sense you know that uh, that I could fit in with my work schedule uh, or I could fit in for to visit family for example over the holidays you know I can make sure that I can you know do a little side trip you know uh, during this particular little trip or whatever just go hit this pub that kind of thing so yeah, the uh, there there were I mean dozens of of uh, cities I wanted to go to and pubs that I wanted to go to that I never got around to, but as you know, I kind of told uh, um, I was fortunate enough to get 
an interview on the Anfield Wrap, probably in the first book, and they they said, you know, this leaves room for a sequel. And <laughs> I said, well, that, <laughs> that 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 this is true. So, <laughs> um, but so is the second book almost a sequel? Is it like same locations revisited, or is it like brand new locations, or how did you come about with like the second book? No, yeah, the second book I had the intention of doing it like the first book, where I was going to start hitting other pubs. Um, and actually, um, the way, the way I had done it was more like a diary in terms of, uh, documenting how the season was going and, and various different things of, of that nature. But the very first, um, the very first part of the season, um, and actually it was my birthday weekend, we were scheduled to play Spurs. It was going to be the home opener for their new stadium. It was uh, middle of September. I had, uh, I had a flight and my wife and I were going up for a weekend in Philadelphia and uh, unfortunately, the uh, Hurricane Florence came through uh, North Carolina oh. at that time, and so we had to cancel the trip. So I ended up, um, I ended up uh, just watching the game from my living room because obviously, you know, the weather conditions weren't weren't friendly for us. So that, uh, so that was kind of like a bummer. But um, but I was at that point, I just kind of wasn't 100% sold on the idea of you know of doing the same thing that I did the first time, right? Do I really want to? spend my free weekends, you know, flying out to various locations alone. My wife couldn't necessarily afford to come with me on everything, all these trips. So I just started kind of just taking notes and documenting how the season was going because I kind of sensed that that something special was happening, um, that we were, that after the way that we had lost um, to to Real Madrid, um, you know, in Kiev, you just kind of, had that feeling that okay something special is going to happen here and this maybe this is the maybe we finally get the chance at that glory um you know and as the song goes is that when you walk through a storm you know you hold your head up high you know at the end of the storm is the golden sky so um i was kind of prepared for the eventuality of uh, of us winning and which is why the title book is going to be titled the golden sky um, but if we didn't win, then I was just going to call the book holding your, holding our heads up high, because we're finally at the point where we can walk around with our heads held up high and saying, we're Liverpool, you know, deal with it. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to come to Anfield and, and take it to us. But, uh, but it worked out, you know, we had the, uh, we hold old, old big ears up at the end of the, end of the season and we got to see that golden sky. So that's, uh, that is the title of the new book, which hopefully will be out uh, the next week or so. Awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely have links to those, uh, along with this podcast under your guys, uh, groups information, uh, for any readers to kind of like access and definitely, uh, take a look at your books. I'll be honest. I definitely like, took a peek at it. I have not ordered mine and read it yet, but the concept is definitely very interesting, especially since I'm doing these like interview podcasts. I think it would be definitely an interesting read. I, like I say, I'm sure you had a ton of material uh, to choose from, even with like the limited number of like places you could eventually end up going to. Um, so any other thoughts, any suggestions, uh, any parting thoughts for uh, like other cities that are looking to create a sporter club or even if, you know, even if they're not looking to get official uh, best ways to uh, kind of like gather people together. I mean, obviously social media is a huge help, but I know it, there's a lot more to it than just creating the page and kind of like throwing the rod out there and waiting for the fish to hit. So, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, 
uh, a couple things. The first one is that, you know, the old saying, it truly does take a village. Um, you really do have to have some help. Don't try to do it yourself. If you're, if you're a huge Liverpool fan and, and you want to start a club, you know, you, you obviously the club has to have other members, but, uh, um, get, get other folks to help you out. Don't do all the, don't do all the work yourself. Um, the second thing, um, which is, uh, hugely important is that the, 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 to remember, you're not taking a, you're not taking a, a, a path that hasn't been taken already by 60 other supporters clubs in North America. So, you know, there's tons of resources in terms of people that will, myself included, that would more than willing, more than gladly give you uh, advice. Um, I just, uh, you know, I gave copies of our organizational charters to a couple other aspiring clubs because they asked and happy to do it, you know, because you can use it as a guide and it's already been blessed and approved by the, the powers that be up at Liverpool. So, um, but the, the last one, which I, I kind of take, you know, not personally, but I really kind of think it's very important, which is kind of what we feel at, at Raleigh, which was really kind of attributed to our, our, our growth success in a short period of time is, is basically being more inclusive than exclusive, right? So, like I said earlier, we, we can't tell people that they can't come to the Lundbridge pub to watch a match. I mean, it's not our job to do that. It's not our business to do that. But we certainly hope that you're going to like what we're doing there and you're going to be willing to just hand over your money and, and join join our club and be a part of the fun that we, we have. Um, too many clubs that shall remain nameless, you know, have got that mentality of, you know, how do we protect, you know, the people that have been with us the longest, you know, try, you know, we're exclusive, we're special, you know, um, try, try to avoid that elitist mentality. Um, and, and honestly, I'd say I, I shouldn't. It's not fair for me to say too many clubs. I'm just saying in general that that type of attitude is probably not healthy to try to grow. Um, and there are certainly times that if you get to a pretty big size that there is going to have to be some measures in place. So I, I, I get all that. But but my advice definitely is is, is be welcoming, you know, that uh, you don't know that, you know, people that are just happen to stop into the pub because, you know, just uh, let me let, let me get a beer. I, mean, I remember one of our members was just kind of like, you know, I said, how did you become a Liverpool fan? He's like, you know, I was going to law school and, and a buddy of mine that, you know, was coming down to watch a soccer match. And I said, what? You're down here at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday drinking beer. OK, let's do it. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and he just became a fan. He's like, I had no idea soccer would be this much fun to be a fan of. So. So, yeah, just, you know, for, for other clubs out there aspiring, I would just, you know, you, you know, just, you know, don't. Just, just don't ever forget the roots. You know, just you know, be inclusive, be welcoming to to everyone. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that's like one of the biggest things a supporter club should kind of like focus on is, especially the newer fans. I know the newer success will bring some, you know, bandwagon fans, but there's also some just new fans that enjoy, you know, our brand of football and the passion that you know the fans have. And I think it's important to kind of like teach those people about the club and kind of like wall come in. And that's, I think, also how, you know, you're going to grow your supporter club and your fan base overall, which grows your supporter club even more. So, uh, Ken, thank you for your time. Uh, yep. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, be in touch with us. Let us know when the new book is out. It'll definitely be on the site as well. Thank you for your time. And thanks to all, all those for listening. Stay tuned for other spotlights of other supporter clubs. And hey, uh, follow us on Facebook as well, our LFC America Facebook group, uh, as well as on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks a lot, everybody. See you soon.